Hey everybody, I'm Micah Rich. And I'm Olivia Kane. And welcome to the Weekly Typographic. A podcast where we discuss our favorite type and design news from the week. Hi, Micah! Welcome everybody to the Weekly Typographic. Here we are again. Last week you had a nice special. You had an interview with Karen Chang. We're back to our regular content this week. We will be taking a break next week. I know you just got us back, but now... Uh, it's Thanksgiving, so we're going to treat ourselves a little bit, take a week off, uh, recover from some burnout, and then come back to you in December. <laughs> it's going to be December next time we record. Oh, don't even get me started. You know what? I have to say, though, I'm a little disappointed that we didn't do it last week because we had so many good links in the newsletter last week. If you did not get a chance oh, to go yeah, look at the did. newsletter, you should go look at it because there was like Jessica Hish's Dark Art of Pricing, which I had never known about until mm-hmm. we found that last week. There was a really awesome article on type design. There was all kinds of good stuff. Yeah, yeah. I remember seeing that and be like, I'm going to be so excited to talk about this. And then we, we didn't. So um, you guys <laughs> should go check that it out. That being said, we were extremely excited to get that interview out because Karen Chang is just like a type hero. And she was so wonderful and lovely to talk to and hilarious. And we got a chance to look at the second edition of that book. And there were a lot of editions. You were going through kind of pointing out this was a little bit different from this. This was a little bit different from that. Like the graphics were beautiful. The the chapters were put together in a really interesting way. Lots of cool stuff. A lot of editions in the edition. (laughs) Which is why we are also so excited about this first link that we included in the newsletter because karen and the publishing companies very generously offered to sponsor a giveaway where we are going to have two awesome copies to give away to type nerds around the world who love it as much as we do and who maybe have never had a copy of it or have the first copy and want to get the new editions either way it is a great thing and we've kind of been teasing about it on our Instagram and the only way to know that this link exists is you wonderful folks who are in our newsletter so open up the newsletter click on that darn link I mean you're you're welcome to share it obviously like we want to get these out to people who will appreciate such an awesome resource but all you have to do is fill out this sweet form that we threw together answer a couple questions and we'll pick randomly and announce the winners on December 4th. We are very excited about this, especially after getting the books earlier this week. There's just so much information in there. It's like a whole class on type design and a book resource. It's incredible. I'm that much more excited to be giving these away. Yeah, so the next link that we have in the newsletter, this one is really interesting. Uh, Our friends over at Fresh Fonts. Uh, Fresh Fonts is kind of like a sister organization for ours where they have a newsletter and they find fonts all the time. And Noemi, who runs it, is a very genius human and has been working really hard on this kind of new product, which is like a membership card. So it's this kind of exclusive limited edition card it's a physical card that they're making too which is very exciting where i think i've seen her mock-ups on twitter yeah 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 and she's collecting pre-orders now for this thing and so it's like uh, uh, 12 months of what she's calling the half price card and so she has partnered with a bunch of really interesting uh new indie unique foundries to offer their fonts 
at half off if you were a member here. So you kind of like pay to have this membership and then you get deals for a year on fonts at all of these foundries, which is just a really interesting model that I don't think anybody's really experimented with before. For sure. I love that this is something that you could like gift to someone. I, yeah. Um, I think that would be like a really generous thing. And if, honestly, if I had a card like this, I'd feel more inclined to kind of try out more fonts and spend a little bit more of those dollars on new typefaces coming out. I think that's part of the motivation. It's like, hey, uh, you know, you want to experiment with stuff that people, with, with fonts that people are putting out. Um, from places that maybe you don't always have a great excuse to buy from necessarily. And uh, I don't know, like having a discount at these indie places, I think would motivate me to go buy a new font for a project that I'm working on or start a project and be like, you know what, I'm going to use something I haven't used before. I think that's kind of a cool idea. I agree. So tell your friends, this is very exciting stuff. The next article we have is from one of my favorite foundries. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the next one is kind of scary for us. We've hinted at the fact that we have been working on a book all about font licensing. We've mentioned it a handful of times. We're like, ah, it's coming, it's coming. We are finally to a point where we're like, shoot, this is almost ready to come out. We wanted to give our our peeps like the heads up before we actually publish it. Uh, so we figured we'd throw together a little page describing everything that you would get in the book, give it a nice little discount, mention it to newsletter and podcast peeps before we actually launch it, and offer you a chance to get it before anybody else. So we have this book that uh, we are lovingly called Making Sense of Font Licensing, a simple, handy guide to when, where, and how to legally use your fonts. And it goes... it. It goes into a good amount of depth about the different kinds of font licenses you need to know about, why font licensing is so important to know about as a designer of like kind of the trouble that you could get into if you don't know some of the stuff that's listed in this book, the categories of licenses that you should be aware of and where you can get different kinds of licenses, some like recommended resources and a little bit of like explanation of why things are the way they are because font licensing is so confusing and nobody ever explains why. Uh, we did a lot of research into how the font licensing confusion got to the point where it is today. And so we tried to put together something that was both in-depth, but also like very readable. Like it's a fairly short book. You can read it fairly quickly. And it's also very linkable to like different sections and chapters so that you can look up this particular type of license or something and like kind of keep it on your digital bookshelf as a reference for moving forward as a working designer. Yeah, very excited about this. I have read and edited it a few times and it's so digestible. It really breaks down concepts that seem like they'd be confusing into just bite-sized little bits and, you know, kind of this vague idea of, oh, a font's free, but it's not open source. What does that mean? Um, all those ambiguous areas get cleared up in this book. So, Like what is personal versus commercial license? What are the exactly. different 
categories of licenses that you need to know of like web fonts versus desktop fonts versus apps and ebooks, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So we're excited to launch that. And with every purchase, you're supporting me and Micah to keep on doing our thing. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> keep and, on uh... making, making the magic happen. And while this is this is sort of a pre-order, we hope to have it out in the next couple of weeks. Like the book is done, we're just kind of gathering all the pieces together so we can get it in everybody's hands. That's why we're offering a pre-order because it's gonna happen and it's gonna happen real soon. So you might as well get a discount for it. So cool. Our next link, I'm so excited about. I literally have looked at it like probably 20 times since <laughs> I first discovered it. I'm so obsessed with it. It's by ilovetypography.com. Our friends over there um, run by John Bordley. Awesome site about type history and perfect for type nerds. And in that same vein, they've collected a gift guide for designers and font people. <laughs> um, and it's a really beautifully laid out guide. It's all imagery of just like beautiful things that you can buy your design friends, your font friends, your font enthusiasts friends. And I'm like in love with it. And I want like, nearly everything on here <laughs> like there's so many just stuff i didn't even know about i mean of course at the very end there's the lou ballon book which i like every time i look at it i'm like do i buy it? i almost buy it and then i don't i just should do it one of these days it's a huge book of lou ballon works who's one of my favorite designers but there's um there's just awesome fun things there's really cool arcade game typography like i'm not even into arcade games but like i could look at this typography for days. I, I could look everything on here for days. I can't say enough great things. I want everything here. I, I got to tell you, uh, I have two favorites on here. The first, it's funny because this is just like a beautiful list of images and you kind of just go through and like click on them to see what some of them are because it's not always apparent. Uh, and snuck in the middle, kind of down towards the bottom, is... The Castaway Volleyball, Wilson. It's just a oh volleyball God, I saw that. with Wilson on it. <laughs> like, that actually doesn't have anything wow. to do with typography, but I love that. And then, unshockingly, uh, what, my other favorite, my actual type nerd favorite, is this link to Futura Bold typeface specimen, which is just a very simple typeface specimen of, like, the letters of future bold which is one of my favorite fonts obviously which we're going to talk mm, about later that is nice that i i was looking at that that would be satisfying to own right i would so look good on a wall i would like to own. yeah there's some great prints in here um yeah and some of them aren't even type related they're just just nice uh creative works of art there's like a lot of clocks on here which are very graphic clocks we need to bring back the I am the Quick Brown Fox t-shirt. Have it exclusively on this I know. list. I know. That's what You're we should right. do. So check it out. I guarantee you'll want to buy everything. And I'm sorry that I shared this with you. <laughs> Our next article um, is from Creative Boom, a lovely uh, creative blog. And it's about 24 fonts that will be popular with designers in 2021. We have some trend forecasting here, guys. Mm. So I actually saw the tweet about this um, from the woman that runs Creative Boom. And she was asking, you know, designers, what fonts do you think will be popular in 2021? I responded, I think... Uh, I hope to see revivals from like unconventional creators. I remember we were talking with like Lynn Yoon on our podcast and she was like, yeah, I hope to like see people reviving type that like wasn't necessarily just like made by old white dudes. And I'm like, 
like to see that too. I mean, speaking of, I was just talking to Trey Seals at Vocal Type and Williams coming out soon, which mm. is based off of the W.E.B. Du Bois type in the data portraits. So I'm very, very excited for that. Anywho, there's some great finds on here. Um, I agree with one of them. I actually I've didn't seen. know the majority of these. A lot of these are new. I to didn't me. know. Yeah, I didn't know the majority of them either, but they, they feel spot on, particularly a lot of the serif and display font. I think there was one there called Mirtha Display, which is so funny. I keep on seeing uh, typography with four pointed stars incorporated in the glyphs, kind of like little starbursts. Also, an interesting part of this typeface, if you type the character the at sign character more than once you can like create a chain interesting very graphic this uh, is pretty this cheap like, too this is there it's on sale right now for twelve dollars and sixty cents per style i know i was thinking about getting one myself just to check it out i also think that like these slightly spooky looking serif are really popular right now i don't know yeah i think i think it. i don't i mean this is just my gut feeling that is based on zero research but i feel like there's a revival of Agatha Christie happening right now. Uh, I actually recently went to my favorite used bookstore in Syracuse, and I was like, hey, I would like to get an Agatha Christie novel as a gift. And she was like, we are 100% out of those because everybody keeps buying them. And I feel like that's related. Like, it's there's becoming a resurgence in, in that for some reason. And this is totally that. I don't know. It's like Victorian serif. I, maybe I should look into this. I, no, I think what it actually but... is, is I feel like this has been predicted recently before, too, of a resurgence of Art Deco to some extent, like a mm. reinvention of Art Deco, sort of, mm -hmm. where it's not going to be exactly Art Deco back in the spotlight, but it's going to be references to Art Deco, which I am here for because that is yeah. my favorite art movement in modern history yeah i mean there's certainly a lot of display typefaces that are predicted to take off next year so i'm not surprised obviously degular's on the list by ono type co who's just cranking out typefaces oh my mm. goodness swear came out this week with like amazing marketing video mm. i was so impressed um so yeah degular i like will just default on if i want like cool looking sans serif that feels a little bit uh different than my typical go-tos although i'm sure everyone's feeling that way and then we're just gonna have like a world where regular becomes regular <laughs> <laughs> well played good one i was but, uh, i was kind of excited to article. see sentinel on this list uh by yeah, hoffler and co i'm actually not fans of i'm i'm not a fan of hoffler but hoffler and co are excellent craftspeople and make great stuff. And actually, the first League logo was set in Sentinel. And so it's I interesting that they're that. predicting a revival in this. It's a great yeah. font. Well, Tobias Fair Jones is also involved in the project. So. Right, yeah. yes. <laughs> the team, when it was... Wait, so are they... Heffler Fair Jones? Jones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I remember they used to put the HFJ on all their uh, yep. font names. I mean, I that have no problem Hitler. discussing, too, the fact that, like, it wasn't just the Huffler Frere Jones conflict that was an issue. Uh, they initially tried to tell the league cease and desist because we were using font spec images on our website. And Hoffler emailed and said, no, no, 
we we invented font spec images. You can't have those on your site. Which is like font specimen images are used by my fonts or used by Adobe fonts now. Like I don't know <laughs> right. anyone that's not using font specimen images. I mean, uh, <laughs> but I'll tell you what they are guys. they are excellent. Like it's obviously not just Hoffler at Hoffler and Co. There's there's lots of people there and they make great fonts. They know their stuff. Ooh, speaking of what you our got for next us? link is kind of exciting. Um, this popped into my inbox this week. Glyphs, which is our favorite font editor for the Mac, has a totally new version out of Glyphs 3, which frankly, I didn't even see coming. I had no idea that was going to happen. Anyone. Yeah, I feel like everyone was like, oh, whoa. I mean, the capabilities to this update is insane. Uh, I actually used Glyphs this past summer. This is convincing me I should use it more often. Um, it's just really insane insanely complex drafting tools they're bringing in more options for tools which is great there's a huge article that we linked to in the newsletter and uh, it's so funny the farther down you go in the article like the nerdier it gets like the beginning of the article is like oh yeah cool cool they're gonna have like strokes and like strokes and fills and they have like brushes i'm like oh you can preview long text like then halfway through the articles like and then this code in python but only put in the plugin for the cyrillic in greek will allow you to do the pcap smcp and i was like whoa but i mean it's gonna be really impressive i do want to caveat that it's not a completely free upgrade and honestly like Mike, that, I feel like that's you, generous. You bought it. Like this is this yeah. is an entirely new version of the software, and granted, you know we're in the iPhone app era of software where you know somebody can work for a year and sell their app for ninety nine cents. But this is a tool designed for people to make high quality professional fonts. Like, Grant, you can you can make, you know, fun stuff with this, but uh, you can do everything advanced that the world's top type designers can do in this software. I think this is proving that Glyphs is here to stay. I think when I first started using Glyphs, it was pretty new to the world. It might only have been, like, a few years old. And, like, there wasn't, like, that many foundries that were using it, and it was still pretty new, and they were still working on upgrading um, but like seeing how powerful it's becoming and how widely used it is and how endorsed it is. I like my Twitter was blowing up with font designers. I didn't even know used clips talking about how excited they were. I'm, I'm happy for them. I think they were like a small nimble company and now they're like in the big leagues. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I knew that they would be from the beginning as soon as it came out and it was this usable software where like mm. it, it felt friendly to open it up and start messing around i was like this is the one this is like all the ones all the other ones are great too but i feel like this is going to be the one that everybody loves now is actually kind of a cool time to take a break and say hey thank you to our sponsors thank you to adobe for helping to sponsor this week's episode their creative suite is one of the standards of design software and comes with a subscription to like a giant library of fonts that you can install embed use pretty much however you like We've even got a few of our fonts in their library as well, if you're looking for those. And uh, we are grateful for them supporting the community with us. Totally. And thanks, too, to our members. Um, if you don't know, we've got a small and wonderful membership where for a tiny amount every month, you get 
awesome extra resources in our weekly typographic emails every week. Those are cool fonts that we found that you might want to add to your arsenal. Current jobs or gigs you might be interested in. Um, At the moment, it's only $5 a month, and we're upgrading a bunch soon. So hop in now if you want to get those goodies next week. Next article is titled, Christo, The Art of the Client Pitch. So I think Christo is kind of a celebrity designer. He's known for getting paid what he's worth um, and kind of (laughs) being sort of this like messiah of freelancers to some. Um, But I think this article actually talks a little bit about his backstory, then goes into how he does value-based pricing, which I think like our our readers are really interested in when we covered it a little bit a few months ago. And I think he has some good tips for other people that are trying to understand how to master it. Yeah. Christo has a really interesting history, too, uh, that the beginning of this article goes into. And I think I've mentioned, I don't know if I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but I've at least mentioned it to you, Olivia, that like, he used to be my teacher in college. He was one of my professors. And I think he taught a storyboarding class. It had nothing to do with design and typography, but it was like an interesting introduction to this man. And he was a very inspiring individual. He's very brash and like says what he means and says it without compromise which i think is why a lot of people love him also you know he's like run a bunch of big projects and he ran his own design studio for a long time and his company now of called the future which maybe you've seen you know like cranks out content for designers about business and pricing and stuff like that and so he certainly knows his stuff and while this is half his history it's also half like here's some tips and thinking behind how you could be thinking about pricing and that's Mm kind of cool i like that was there anything in here that like stood out to you in browsing this? Yeah, yeah. I think um, he like goes on to talk about this concept, um, this technique taught by the negotiator Chris Voss, and it's like about finding out mm. whether you're the favorite or the fool. Like, are are the people that the, are is the client choosing you because you're the best at what you do and they really want you on the project? Um, Or are they choosing you because they think they can get a cheaper price by choosing this freelancer? And then, like, he talks about ways to figure out which one's the case and how to always be at your best advantage. And, you know, if if the client can't pay you the full amount that you're worth, be creative in other ways you can get paid or other ways you can gain something from the experience. There's always good advice. I love that reference to to Chris Voss because uh, I've been trying to – I've I've been reading his book on negotiation and he recently put out a masterclass if you know of masterclass the like learning platform on negotiation mm-hmm. and it is mm-hmm. a lot of masterclasses stuff is beautifully produced but like not great content and mm-hmm. Chris Voss's masterclass on how to negotiate and how to think about negotiation was excellent content if you have massive oh, okay. I, I highly recommend watching that. It was like, ooh, I need to put all of this into practice with my clients. That's great. So another great article we got coming at you in the newsletter. And then we're going to finish it off with this like a fun resource that I found that I really wanted the world to know about. It's called PatternCollect.com. And is simply a collection of patterns made by designers and illustrators. Um, I think these days, sometimes I love just like, seeing content that wasn't given to me 
by an algorithm or by social media. Like this content's very random, but also just like really enjoyable to look at. Um, I think like getting off of Pinterest and Instagram and this freeing because it's like all we see and then like we see the same stuff cycled over and over again mm. so i wanted to share this with all of our viewers to you know get some fresh takes on ways to use color ways to use texture ways to use mark making that's just really nice to look at it's beautiful i, I love this this is such a great find and it's cool nice. because you click on each of them and it tells you who made it it like tags it it links to the original like this is how you this is how you reference great stuff in a like curated place not to mention you know what else i really yeah. love about this website whoever made the actual website is that when you link to it you know how websites have like meta tags and like it mm -hmm. unfurls if you like paste it into imessage or slack or something it like shows you an image of the site they mm -hmm. randomize which pattern it's showing so like huh. if you link to it twice it's probably not going to be the same thing isn't that great i love that all right micah nerd alert Thank you. You did it for me. Yeah. I was wondering when when that would happen. <laughs> Amazing. Micah, you've set the stage for today's Nerd Alert. And what are we talking about? We didn't give a, give a preview of this. We I know. We a preview early. We were too excited to um, jump we're talking, I We had a lot to cover this week. But uh, I bet you don't know the facts that we're about to cover right now. And that is all about Spartan, which I'll start off with the most concise way to describe a Spartan, it is a copycat of the font Futura. <laughs> That's an awful that way to Spartan. describe it. It is a beautiful uh, okay. font. It's one, of, it's one of my favorite fonts. Uh, it is one of the most popular league fonts, our League Spartan. And this is kind of the history of where that came from. Yes. I mean, there's a much more nuanced history than just a copycat. <laughs> and in fact, I think what we have thought to be Futura in American history was likely spartan mm. so confusing is your mind a little bit boggled by that statement yeah yeah so why don't we go into this history great let's do it <laughs> okay <laughs> guys interesting stuff also i have to give a huge shout out to douglas thomas who wrote the book never used futura one of me and micah's favorite books it's on our favorite books page on the league's website he provided me with a lot of this information first of all there's like no information about spartan <laughs> on the internet the wikipedia <laughs> is like one sentence long and uh was not helpful so um, I got most of my knowledge from Douglas Thomas, who just like researched the heck out of Futura and is just like a Futura expert, basically, is what yeah. I would call him. The one known. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to start off with some basic history, and then it gets a little bit more complex from there. So uh, hold on tight. Futura, the original Futura, the Futura, capital F Futura, was designed by Paul Renner and released by the Bauer Type Foundry in 1927. That was in Germany. The only Futura that can claim complete authenticity is the metal type version of Futura from Germany's Bauer type foundry, which mm. means most people have never used the real Futura. You used a copy or you used a copy of a copy. Mm. That is, that's where we're starting. And that's how we're going to get to Spartan. I love that. I got to say, as someone who is a huge fan of copying, and believes wholeheartedly that copying is like a core piece of what we do these days and should not be shamed. That's a really cool and interesting thing. I think there's so much history that I think has been forgotten because we have just like 
lived in this really like one track line of design history and like and then there's Futura and everything looked like this well there's actually a lot more complexity to it because basically once Futura was made and the ground was broken by Paul Renner's genius um every German company or foundry started making their own Futuras because they were like holy poop this is the future um they started making Futuras with different names, slightly different proportions, and unique features. So it was like every foundry had their own little version of Futura, which isn't surprising. I think if you've been using fonts for a while, you'll notice, oh, there's a Bauer Bodoni, and then there's the Bodoni that Adobe made, and there's the Bodoni that like maybe Microsoft made. So like this concept is, you're probably vaguely familiar with it. So all these German foundries were like rushing to copy this Bauer Futura. But then how did we get Futura to America? Um, we have to remember this is the 20th century, so there's like a political atmosphere to keep in mind. Vitru was brought to America because after World War I, the European economies were totally devastated. And the U.S. State Department decided to give Germany a little like stimulus package, basically. They lent them 800 million marks, which is a currency in Germany. And that was to help Germany actually pay for reparations. So we have some uh, world history in this little tidbit today. So... Bauer, the foundry Bauer that made Futura got the money, immediately went to New York, opened an independent office in 1927, which was like the same year Futura was released, and began marketing and selling Futura in the States. And for a very short window, there was a prosperity of three Futuras. Here are the originals in the United States. Futura from Bauer. Um, There's another Futura called Cable, which I think still lives on today, and another Futura called Urbar. And when I say another Futura, I mean like a copy of Futura, like nearly the same letters, almost indistinguishable. But by 1930, there would be tariffs that would be a barrier to entry for German typography because of the crash of the stock market. So it, we were so lucky we had these three years where the German type was able to influence America. And in those years, Futura started just like spreading like wildfire. So there was those f- three Futuras. And then soon after that, the first American market ripoff was by Baltimore type foundry called Airport Gothic. Then Vogue magazine made their own Futura and they called it Vogue to avoid licensing fees and to achieve a certain compatibility with their company's compositing machines. And then later down the line, 1939, guess what? Linotype releases Spartan. And this was Linotype's answer to Futura so that they could have a version of quote-unquote Futura for their composition machines, for their line casting. Which, if you know type history, you know Linotype was, like, essential to just, like, mass printing going on in the country. And it was, like, what most people were using for typesetting for so long. So they worked with the American type founders to release it, and they worked to make sure it was compatible for all their systems and it was largely indistinguishable from Futura except that it included a double story A on request. I love that. What's interesting is that Spartan um, was used on a lot of things but it was like largely forgotten by history. So you could even debate that the moon plaque you know everyone's like Futura's on the moon. You could debate that Spartan because we don't have a clear answer whether it was authentic Futura or it was Spartan, which was basically the copycat. Mm, interesting. Eventually, you know, what also led to people forgetting all these other versions, forgetting about Airport Gothic or Spartan, or there's one called Tempo, is that the competitors licensed the name Futura from Bauer. Um, and so eventually everything became Futura. 
And although you can buy Futura from any number of companies, to this day, they all send royalties back to the Renner family for the Futura name in licensed trademarks of Bauer types. Interesting. I did not know that. That is the story of Spartan. So I think it's important to think about it um, when you're looking at, you know, older historical pieces of U.S. history from the 20th century. Um, we might just call it Futura because it's easy to just make an assumption about all of that geometric sans serif type, but you may just be looking at Spartan. And to, you know, cap that history with our own too, like we basically, American Type Foundry, which is often just abbreviated ATF, um, was like this big conglomerate type foundry that eventually went bankrupt. And so a lot mm. of their type specs... Uh, ended up in the public domain after a certain amount of years and has Mm -hmm. been the basis for a lot of open source type. And, you know, fun copyright details to throw in is that uh, you can redraw someone else's design for a typeface. And as long as you redraw it yourself and not directly copy and like trace over the letters, it counts as your drawing, even if it was inspired by somebody else. That's slightly different in the world of digital type, because if you're actually taking pieces from the software of someone else's font, that's a totally different, that's no longer legal. But if you're just taking the typeface drawings and drawing your own version, that's very legit and how a lot of quote unquote revivals happen. And that was exactly what happened with League Spartan. I was basically like, shoot, I love Futura. Uh, You know, there's such an interesting complex history here. And I had this ATF type specimen of Spartan. And I was like, let's draw our own version. And so me and Caroline Hadaloxano, who was like the original type designer for League Fonts. We drew that sucker up. We like put our own twist on it. We had a little curly Q, which is why I love the Q so much. Uh, you know, and we like put our own like fun spin on things. And that was where our own League Spartan came from, which, you know, is a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. I never heard that story about the ATF type spec. I like that. Yeah. I know it. And I'm excited for our listeners to know. Just one more tidbit of fun type history. Yeah, since Nerd Alert is often about type history, we kind of just thought this would be fun to chat about this week. Yeah, for sure. League Spartan's my favorite um, typeface in the catalog. League Spartan, League Gothic. League Gothic, I'm sorry, you're number two. League Spartan's wow. my favorite. They're tied for my me. I love child. those two. Number two for me. You know what number two for me is. Freaking Sniglet. Sniglet! I love Sniglet. Anyway, that was a very fun, awesome collection of links sweet nerd alert with a little bit of fun history as we said we're taking a break next week in honor of relaxing and eating food for thanksgiving so our lovely podcast will be back december 4th and we'll be announcing the winners to the giveaway on the 4th yep i mean a put your name in the hat for that sweet giveaway b you know check out the sweet links that we provided for fresh fonts and for our pre-order book making sense of font licensing And we will see you in two heckin' weeks. Bye!